Hey everyone, and welcome back to episode 24 of Quick Cuts, a plastic surgery podcast. On today's episode, we discuss posterior trunk reconstruction, particularly as it applies to spinal wounds. So let's get started. Complex wounds of the posterior trunk can arise for a number of reasons. Some common sources of these wounds include postoperative wound dehiscence or infections, chronic pressure ulcers, radiation injury, and congenital defects like spina bifida. These wounds can be particularly detrimental to patients as they can affect spinal stability, lead to neurologic impairments, or lead to severe infections like meningitis. Reconstructive techniques for the posterior trunk depend heavily on muscular flaps. So we'll start today's review with a discussion of the muscular anatomy of the back. The muscles of the back are typically divided into the intrinsic and extrinsic muscles. The intrinsic muscles lie deep to the thoracolumbar fascia and are often referred to collectively as the paraspinous muscles, as they run longitudinally on either side of the spinal column. These muscles extend from the sacrum to the skull base and produce movements of the neck and spine. The extrinsic muscles of the back lie superficial to the thoracolumbar fascia and include the trapezius, latissimus dorsi, levator scapuli, major and minor rhomboids, the serratus posterior superior, and the serratus posterior inferior. These extrinsic muscles primarily produce movements of the shoulder and thoracic cage. We'll talk next about the evaluation and management of a patient with a posterior trunk wound. In addition to taking a general medical history, you should assess for any comorbidities that may affect wound healing, such as diabetes, smoking, history of radiation, or poor nutrition. In obtaining your surgical history, you should pay specific attention to any prior surgeries that would impact available flap choices or that would result in instrumentation or hardware in the wound. In your focused history, you should determine the source of the wound and how long it's been present as well as determining any future plans for debridement or hardware removal. On physical exam, you should document the location, size, and depth of the wound. You should evaluate the wound for the presence of any non-viable tissue that will require further debridement, as well as any exposed vertebrae, meninges, or hardware within the wound. The patient should again be assessed for any scars or evidence of prior surgery that would impact reconstructive options. Once a wound is deemed appropriate for reconstruction, the goals of surgery should include elimination of dead space and providing durable soft tissue coverage. For wounds of the posterior trunk, and especially those with exposed hardware or dura, muscle or myocutaneous flaps are the gold standard. Selecting the appropriate flap for reconstruction often depends on the size, location, and depth of the defect. One of the easiest ways to think about flap choices for reconstruction of spinal wounds is to categorize the wounds by their anatomic region. Therefore, we tend to describe spinal wounds as either cervical, thoracic, or lumbar. For cervical wounds, workhorse flap choices include the paraspinous musculature, trapezius muscle, and latissimus dorsi. For thoracic wounds, workhorse flap choices include the paraspinous musculature, latissimus dorsi, and trapezius muscle for upper thoracic defects. Finally, for lumbar wounds, common flap choices include the paraspinous, latissimus dorsi, and gluteus maximus muscles. Less commonly described flap choices for posterior trunk reconstruction include the scapular and parascapular flaps, and in rare cases, tunneled omentum. Using these pedicled flaps, either alone or in combination, 
is often sufficient to reconstruct most spinal wounds. In cases where local or regional options are insufficient, free flap reconstruction can also be considered. In regards to complications, seroma is one of the most common complications with spinal wound reconstruction, likely secondary to the large amount of dead space that's often present. For this reason, closed suction drains are often placed during surgery and will commonly remain in place for weeks postoperatively until output is very minimal. Additional complications may include, but are not limited to, infection, CSF leak, hematoma, and reconstructive failure. And that ends our discussion on posterior trunk reconstruction. I hope everyone's continuing to enjoy the podcast. Feel free to subscribe so you don't miss new episodes. You can find my entire audio library, along with other great online resources, at theplasticsfella.com. For questions, suggestions, or feedback about the podcast, you can reach me at jakemarksmd at gmail.com. Otherwise, you can find me on Instagram or Twitter at jakemarksmd. Thanks for listening. See you next time.